Welcome to the archive section. These are some of the first shows that I ever did as a podcaster. And back then, I was so new. I just had a phone. I had zero idea what I was doing. But I decided to jump in with both feet, start my own podcast. And as you will see through this archive section, I start off a little rough. But as the episodes go on, you can tell that I started to get a little more confident, started to gain a footing. And it kind of is a really cool way for me to come back, listen to these episodes, just to see where it all started for me and how I got better as I went along. So I decided, instead of deleting all these old episodes, why not put them in an archive section so even you guys can check them out and just, you know, have a great time listening to some of these older episodes. And don't forget, though, to start checking out the newer stuff that I'm posting because I am going to be posting often. And I have some amazing guests that I interview in these upcoming shows. We talk about so many different important topics. So I hope that you check out uh, my channel often because I will be uploading a lot of great stuff. So thank you guys for all your support. And please enjoy this archive section. Welcome everybody to another edition of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking, oh man, I'm telling you so far, I'm having a great week. I hope everyone else that's listening right now is having a great week also. Been doing a lot of great stuff here, and I am telling you, I am super, super excited to let all my listeners know that I finally, I went out and did my first interview, and I was trying to think of who I wanted to do an interview with. And the first person that came to my mind was I wanted to do an interview with my tattoo mentor, Jesse. This is a guy that has from fucking day one supported me in tattooing. You know, day one, he's been here supporting me. I met him on Facebook on a tattoo uh, page and we got chatting all the time. And he definitely would message me and tell me that he saw huge potential in my work. And he was a fan of my work, and he definitely wanted to work with me and teach me some of the tricks in that. And it's an amazing fucking friendship. I mean, I've kept in touch with this guy now for three years. And we do video chats, and we chat on the phone, and, you know, I'm friends with him. And it's amazing. You know, this is a guy that, 
you know, and of all the asshole fucking tattoo artists I've met, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that I'm a tattoo artist myself, and I can honestly say that there's a lot of asshole tattoo artists out there that fucking will not give somebody that's trying to learn a break at all, you know, and that pisses me off because these are people that forget that at one time they were learning, they were the apprentice, they were the beginner, and they needed help. And obviously somebody down the road took them under their wing and showed them stuff and got them on their feet, you know. But I figure, you know, the way I see it is after they get a few years or, you know, 10 years under their belt, you become a little jaded. And I think they're worried about these young bucks coming up and stealing their business, which doesn't happen. I mean, if you're a great artist, you're going to have your designated client, you're, you know, you're going to have your dedicated, dedicated clientele. That's just the way tattooing works. Probably works like that with everything. So that claim that they say that, oh, you know... You're going you're gonna to steal all my business if I teach the young guys. Yeah, fuck you. That's just your insecurities talking as far as I'm concerned. Even as me only been in tattooing for three years, I if somebody came to me that seriously was diehard wanting to learn, and you knew they wanted to learn no matter what, I would show them what I know. I admit I don't know a ton of shit. I've only been doing it three years. I'm not trying to blow smoke up anyone's ass. But I would teach what I know. You're fucking right I would. I wouldn't be scared that they're going to steal my business because that would just make me want to become a better artist to make sure they don't become a, uh, you know, a threat. So he never was like that. You know, he lives in the U.S. and uh, it's amazing. You know, this guy's opened his home to me. He wants me to fly down there. He said, you can stay as long as you want at my house with my family. We'll feed you. We'll fucking keep you sheltered. And you can come to the shop with me every day and I'll teach you all the tricks I know. And I'll, you know, you can, it's amazing. That somebody in another country would fucking reach out an olive branch like that. But people in my own goddamn city, you know, artists in my own city that have shops. And there's got to be 20 or 30 shops now that I've fucking been in contact with. And they all got a, a bullshit excuse. And, you know, then, but it takes a guy from another fucking country, you know, to offer an olive branch and willing to bring you a shop and teach you. Like, there's something fucking wrong there. But that's a rant for another day. But... So I just want to let you all know that this is a uh, this is going to be the first interview we did. We basically talked for three hours last night and did this interview. We talk about everything. So it's going to be a great interview. I'm going to do it in three parts. So this is going to be part one of the interview that I do with my mentor, Jesse. And it's going to be a three-part series. So each day I'm going to uh, upload, upload another part. So it's a complete uh, interview. So I hope you guys enjoy this. It's going to be a, you're going to have a lot of fun listening to this guy. He's a really smart guy and a great guy. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and give the guy a call. You know, I told him I'd call him. So let's give him a call and uh, get this interview started, guys. Great, great. What's happening, buddy? There you are. I've been telling all my uh, listeners that I was going to finally get an interview with you, and that's what I'm doing right now, so I decided to give you a call. Well, here I am, buddy. Come on, Fire away. I had, I had to go in. I had to go ahead and do this because I keep telling all my friends and that that I got a, a guy in the U.S. that mentors me for tattooing, and I'm starting to think that they don't believe that you even exist. So I was like, well, well I'm going to put, I'm gonna have to put an end to that and get you on this podcast. So that's what I'm doing. Well, here I am, my brother. Exactly. Glad to be here. I'm excited. Well, yeah, that's cool to be excited, man. I want to welcome you. Welcome to the Crip Ricks. I've been thinking, and I know you've been listening. I'm excited to be here. Well, yeah. I mean, it's about about time I got an actual interview. I've been doing a lot of rambling about things uh, 
that I think about all the time. That's the whole premise of the podcast is this is shit that I just think about constantly and so it's cool. I got a few listeners. I got I'm getting new listeners all the time, but I like to get a lot more and I definitely know you check out the podcast. So that's pretty cool. I didn't even think it was something that you would even be interested in, so I never sent you a link or anything. Then when you finally told me that you were watching it, or listening, I should say. I always say watching. When I, you said you were listening to it, that kind of freaked me out because that was pretty cool. Yeah, totally, man. I happened to on it kind of by accident on Facebook and been listening ever since. As a matter of fact, I just listened to your, I believe it was 13 yeah. earlier today. Yeah, big 13, man, but... But I just definitely I know my I know my uh, people I've talked to they they don't believe that you fucking exist as a mentor. So am I lying when I say that you've been mentoring me for tattooing for over two years now? Yes, sir. And so I'm not lying. You've been doing that. Yes, I have. Well, there you go. To be so fair, though, it is kind of hard to believe when you say, "Oh, I got a mentor in another country," but well, <laughs> like, yeah. "Oh, okay." Well, you know, what I mean, to all the people that I, that said that I'm full of shit, they can all go fuck themselves because I just proved them wrong. But it's true though. I I talk to my I talk to a lot of my friends and I talk about you and I show them your your Instagram page and the amazing fucking tattoos you do. And I've talked about you from the day I met you. I remember we met on uh, Tattoo University. I think it's called. I haven't been on that. It was a Facebook page that you're not even part of anymore. And I got off it too, just because it. I don't know. I just had some different feelings about it. So I, that's where I definitely met you and. I also talk to Steve a lot, uh, your friend Steve. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So he, I've had a few interviews with, like, uh, video chats with him and him teaching me stuff and that. So that's where I met you. And uh, you took an interest in my learning as I was – as I, well, I am learning, but as you said I had some uh, talent there, so you thought that you could give me some advice in that, which I've been taking ever since. And – Nobody ever believed me, I don't think. They believed me at first, and then I just keep talking about you, and they're like, we don't, you know, and they don't believe that there's an actual artist in the U.S. that has opened up. Like, I want to make this clear to my listeners here. Now, listen to this. This man, Jesse, here, has opened up his home to me and basically said, listen, you catch a plane down here, and you can stay with me and my family for free. We'll feed you, we'll fucking shelter you, and then you can come to the shop every day with me, and I'll sit down and I'll teach you hands-on and show you what you need to learn. And people just find that astronomically fucking unlikely that somebody would do that. And this is something that you've offered to me numerous times, is it not? Yeah, totally, man. Exactly. Door's still open. Exactly. And you know what's fucking crazy about this, Jesse? Is that there's got to be, in my little town now, we're probably a town, Kingston, Ontario, is probably a town of about probably 300,000 people, and I, I'm probably pushing it when I say that. And we've probably got... No word of a lie, 25 shops in this little town. And I don't have, I mean, I went to the mall trying to get a fucking a job, an apprenticeship, and I don't know what's going on with the tattoo fucking community, and maybe you can shed some light on this, because, I mean, I'm as curious to know as probably some of my listeners are. Is what, like, none of these shops, I don't get it. They're, they're opening, but how the fuck... Do you get an apprenticeship? Because I've done everything. I've done what you've told me to do. I went in and just talked to them. I don't fucking jam my tattooing down their throat and try to, you know, I go in, I just tell them I'm an artist, and I've tried the approach of telling them that I've been tattooing for three years, and then I try to go and try a different approach and tell them I want to apprentice. And what the what is going on with the state of tattooing that you can't get a fucking apprenticeship? Like, what is your take on that? Well... 
a lot of people just look at it a lot of different ways. Like from my personal observations, uh, there's really no right way to learn tattoo it. Apparently, like a lot of people want to apprentice anybody. They think they're saturating the job field or something. Tattoo schools are bad. Scratching is bad. Like, well, what's left? Like, what what choice does that leave you really? But uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of shops that are kind of like that. And to be fair, we have people coming to our shop, you know, and they're just another guy like, hey, I want an apprenticeship, but they don't have their portfolio. Obviously, we're not going to, you know, take them serious. So Exactly. Well, it, it, really, it really is tough. This is a hard field to get into and really learn right. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, and, and it's, I'm kind of on the fence with it because I got – I've been interested in tattooing uh, my whole life. Like from the time I can, my mom said that I could fucking hold a pencil. I've been drawing and uh, painting and all kinds of different art forms, and I've always been into tattooing. I remember the first tattoo I ever saw was on my uncle's back of a fucking jailhouse spider. You know, it was just picking fucking pokes, fucking plucking. That yeah. different names for it. It was a great big black, just black fucking spider. It wasn't fancy. Wasn't anything that you'd be proud to say that you know a shop did or anything, but it was done in prison. I didn't know that at the time. They never told me, but now I know. And that I was hooked after that. Like, I was like, oh my god, you can fucking actually take a needle and put ink under someone's skin and it's there for life. And that's where I got hooked. And about 20 years, 15 years ago, I I didn't have an apprenticeship at a shop. I got I was a DJ at the time at a bar, and one of the guys that worked at the bar as a bouncer hooked me up with uh a guy that was a tattoo artist and he said fuck yeah come on down i'll teach you and i wish i would have took it more serious back then it was but it was a different time back then uh people don't remember that and you'll you'll vouch for this you've been tattooing long enough uh that tattooing was it wasn't easy to get equipment fucking 15 or 20 years ago there was no ebay there was no fucking uh uh amazon there were all these tattoo shops. You were lucky if there was maybe one or two places you could order from. You had to be in a shop. You had to be established. Or you had to have somebody in a shop that was established saying, that, Yeah, I'm teaching this fucker. He's my, he's, my, you know, he's my shop bitch, so they'll sell you stuff. But just, you know, am I not right that ta- like tattooing 15, 20 years ago, it was a extremely hard business to get into. Oh, totally different world back then. You had to make most everything back then. You had to build your own machines. You had to make your own ink. You had to make your own needles. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I remember One of the that. guys I used to work with uh, started his apprenticeship, and the first thing he did every day was go in there and make everybody's needles. Got yeah. there in the morning and made everybody's needles. Yeah, that's how I was. I was just going to say that's how I learned. I, my Rick that was the guy that taught me, and Rick would have me go sit in this fucking shop in the basement and I just made needles, man, all fucking day. I must have made 10,000 needles in my life. I tell clients that now that I used to make my own needles. And they, and even other tattoo artists I've talked to, the younger ones, and they, they think that's fucking crazy. And I was like, you can't go and fucking buy. You couldn't buy a machine on eBay or uh, even a quality one. Like, even if you went to a reputable, there was no internet back then to say, like, so to say, that you could go and order this shit. But for me, I found, like, it was... Like, for me, 15 years ago, it was easier to get an apprenticeship now, like, than it is now. Like, I mean, I used to remember when I was when I was with Rick, I was going around to the other, there was only a few shops in town, but they would actually talk to you. They wanted money, though. That's the thing, that they wanted, like, 500 bucks, they wanted 3,000 to teach you, which I think is, Hell yeah. I see kind of both sides of it. I think it's a way to weed out the people that don't want to do it, or they're just half-assed doing it, but... 
I mean, I don't, I'm under the belief you can't teach everybody to tattoo, and I've learned that from experience, and I can say that because I've had a few friends who I've tattooed a lot in the past, and they're like, oh, that looks really easy, you know, I can do that, and I set up a needle for them, and I put a stencil on their leg, and I'll say, then do it, and they fuck it all up, and <laughs> so it's not everybody can yeah. learn to tattoo. Well, yeah, like, they, you know, you watched me first I do my first tattoo on my own leg. I remember that. You laughed your ass off at me. <laughs> it was kind of part of you. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I just don't. I, I'm just. I'm frustrated with the tattooing industry, and I know that I'm. I got a lot to talk to you about. So it's probably gonna be a two episode fucking phone call here. I mean, there's so much I want to cover with you because you're the first person I've talked to about tattooing, and you got a lot of experience in that field. But I just find that, like, what do you think? Uh, being able to buy all this equipment. You can go on eBay. You can buy a fucking tattoo machine. I can literally can tell you. You can buy a tattoo machine for five bucks. You can buy a rotary for fucking ten bucks. You can buy a pack of needles for ten bucks. You can buy shitty ink from China that's gonna make your arm and your fucking dick fall off after you put it under your skin. But what do you, what are your feelings? And I want you to be honest. What are your feelings of being able to just go on eBay and pick up a machine and like pick up a whole kit, fucking hundred bucks, seventy bucks, and then go and uh, well. Attack somebody Honestly, I can't bitch too much about that because that's kind of how I started. I actually traded a guy two cases of beer for a tattoo kit. <laughs> okay, but and, uh, but I mean, okay, so you started that way. I started that way too, dude. Believe me, I bought my first kit. Mind you, I can honestly tell everybody that this kit that I bought off of fucking eBay, I'd never touched it to human skin. I would work on practice skins and stuff like that, but none of that equipment ever touched human skin, and I can say that no, like that, a hundred percent confident. But now, do you, I uh, can vouch for you there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've seen my equipment. You know, you know, and you know what I use. So, but I'm just saying. Like, yeah, honestly, I I didn't know when you did your first tattoo. I had no idea that was actually your first tattoo. Oh, like yeah. all the stuff you had in your setup, I assumed <laughs> you'd been tattooing for a while. <laughs> no, I was shit my pants, dude. I believe me. I spent a year before I ever touched a needle to skin. I learned as I learned. I probably watched every video on tattooing on on YouTube. Probably ten times, and that's no joke. If you if you can find a good video on YouTube, I've seen it, and practiced a lot on practice skins. But when I did that first one with my wife filming, and you were kind of guiding me, which is kind of weird that you're so far away, and the technology just amazes me that you can actually fucking have somebody like real time watching. I remember you laughing your ass off at me because I was shaking so bad. But it <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked though, man. It fucking it stayed there. I mean, I can I look at it all the time. I just kind of giggle. It's a great memory. I'll never cover it up. I mean, it's it's not the greatest by any means. It was my first one, but I'm keeping that one for life because that's my fucking memory. But as I was talking about the equipment, like okay, so we both learned we both learned and we got our first kits, shitty machines and that. I get that, and I can kind of understand that if you want to practice on practice skin. Or on yourself, I mean, I'm for game for that too. Then these cheap machines have a place. But do you think that being the easy access to the equipment now is that good for tattooing, or is that bad in your opinion? Yeah, you know, uh, the professional side of me wants to say, uh, yeah, only professionals should, you know, have access to this kind of stuff. Right. But at the same time, I mean. I, in a way, I still look at it as freedom. You know what I mean? If somebody wants to try, they you know get to try it. Like, because once again, that's how I did it. I'd be a hypocrite, a hypocrite if I said you know otherwise. Exactly. Well, but uh, that's cool though. I mean, but yeah, I mean, 
but yeah, selling a, a cheap little kit to any old fool, all, you know, on the street obviously has repercussions. But at the same time, the people that get tattoos from them, I mean, obviously don't care about paying up and getting a quality tattoo. So, I mean, I guess that's okay too. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> if they're yeah. cool with it, I mean. Yeah, like I've always been, I, I get that. I mean, I, I, the thing that's always amazed me is that uh, we've had this discussion before about prison tattoos and. I know you told me there's like yeah there's a lot of amazing prison artists that are doing it with homemade prison tattoo guns and needles and shit and you said yeah there is a few of them that are amazing at it but there's a lot of shitty work that goes on in prison too which I have seen that I've seen the other side of it there's a lot of crap but a lot oh it's a lot, a lot yeah but you do see the guys that you know that invented the whole black and gray and that the uh, you know the uh Mexican side and that in the prisons they brought that whole realism and uh, black and gray in which I love I, I'm not good at it yet but I love it and I respect it but uh, that's what always amazed me like I understand the whole point like you said of quality machines you want a quality machine for the long haul I get that but it, then I've had people say well look at what some people are doing with homemade you know prison machines and home, you know tattoos like they remain prison or they made at home in the same style and that and they're doing good work with it. So, I mean, I guess if the needle gets it under the skin and you have the right depth, I guess the machine, you know, it's good. To, I See, I'm like you, man. The pro professional side of me wants to say, no, 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 don't fucking buy cheap. Always buy high quality. But I guess if you buy a cheap one and you fix it up and get it running good, I guess it works as good as any other machine, maybe just not as long. Yeah, if you know what you're doing, you can definitely turn any machine yeah. in, into a good machine. That's what I did. Made a few man. good parts, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I bought, a, I I rebuilt probably twenty, thirty machines. I'd like to frame. I'd see on eBay, and I'd it'd be a good frame, and I'd just junk all the coils and stuff, and I'd rebuild it. Like I was saying, I spent a year building machines and stuff, and figuring out how to tune them, and and doing the different, you know, have a shader, a color packer, and that, but. You know, I I spent a whole year before I did that. That's probably why you thought I tattooed before, because I talked to you for so long about tattooing. But I was just learning the, you know, I figured if you know you're gonna tattoo, you gotta learn <laughs> basics. You know, <laughs> like you gotta know. Yeah, totally. I mean, to be, to be totally fair, you went far above and beyond what anything I did. The first time I ever did a tattoo was the first time I ever held a machine or looked at one or, well, yeah, that's <laughs> or anything. That was, it was a disaster. That was the one that you did on your friend's ribs, wasn't it? No, the first tattoo I ever did was on a buddy of mine's kneecap. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, I actually not only tried to talk him out of that, but I tried to talk him out of the whole thing. I, <laughs> I told him straight up. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but if you're stupid enough to let me try, yes, I would like to try. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't even have a grommet on the machine, the first tattoo I did. And if you don't know what a grommet is, it's a, a little rubber nipple that goes on the end of the little armature bar, and that's what holds the needle tight and steady in place while the bar is pushing the needle. So I didn't even have that. It was oh like, God. it was like picture making a big circle with your fingers and putting a straw in the middle of it and then slapping it around in there is about how the needle was going. <laughs> oh my God! Did it Without actually did it work? Though. Did it work? It, oh, it worked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the tattoo's still there. That's incredible. But the reason for that is. Is uh, dude, he was wasted drunk and he was screaming bloody murder. Though. <laughs> oh my god, I can't imagine how that. Was I cut him the skin. wide open. I, can't I cut imagine. him wide open. <laughs> like I thought, like that's ballsy. Like I'm, I'm like you though. I when I even now when I do a tattoo, I find myself 
telling the client, like, you know, I'm learning here, right? And I don't know when I'm going to stop saying that to clients. I've had a lot of people say, don't tell your clients that. Fuck, man. Like, you know, you're past learning. And I, I don't believe I am past learning. I don't even think I'm close. Like, I look at your work on Instagram, and then I look at my work, and I'm like, okay, I suck. Like, I always say that. I'm, and then my friends will say, no, no, fuck, you don't suck, man. You're doing good for where you are. I've only been in the skin three years. And I know that to some people that's going to say, well, that's a long time. In tattooing, man, three years is dick. Like, three years is oh, not Oh, yeah, much. totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't give a fuck. I'm about eight years in, and really for only about the last three and a half years out of eight is when I really started figuring it out. Well, yeah, and I had some yeah. help from people I met. So. Yeah, like, that's what you told me. I remember you told me that when I first met you. You're like, listen, man, don't feel, don't be hard on yourself. I had the first four years that I tattooed. I didn't get it, and then you said one day it just all clicked, and your work speaks for itself. Well, you know, if you, I always tell my friends to go check out your page because you bang out some fucking, you're doing shit with a needle. No, I don't. I don't even know how the fuck you're doing it. I know you've tried to explain it to me, and you're like, you do it this way, and you use this technique, and I can't get the results you are. And I think it's just experience. I think you've been in the skin way more than I have so far, and you know you've well that and yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you know that, and, and you know at the same time, that's really why I'd like to get you down here with me and let you stick your face in, you know, my tattoo while I'm tattooing it. There's only so much you can explain, you know, over over a video chat. Uh, but yeah. if you actually got your face in there, it's a whole new, a whole new learning experience. Well, yeah, I, I love. I'm definitely doing that, and uh, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I can, it's just a money thing to be honest. As soon as I can get down there get a plane ticket down there now that I've already got my passport on like basically set up and everything so that's good I got that taken care of I just gotta actually get the money to get down there but I'm definitely taking you up on that because I think I could learn in a week with you man I think I could learn so much that would step me up another level and that's how I find my tattooing I'll ta I'll kind of hit a plateau for a couple weeks maybe a month and then I do something and then it, no it gives me a little nudge and I find with tattooing you're not making big leaps and bounds you're kind of doing little gradual stairs you know like you'll do it try a different technique boom fucking it works out you know and then you plateau again and then you bounce again and what do you think is that pretty accurate that's very very accurate <laughs> yeah yeah well that's cool very very yeah. accurate no that's cool like, i, I mean, mean even that goes also for not only just technique wise i mean it, it, the same thing happens artistically as well. You just sometimes you get an artistic bump. You're like, man, I need to do something different, or I'm tired of pocket watches, or I can't oh, draw I a rose another way. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. The trends is killing me. Like when I was when I was 15 years ago, when I was in like first got into tattooing, like apprenticing and that, people used to walk in and pick a picture off the wall. It was called flash. And I have clients now that don't even know what the fuck flash is, which boggles my main brain, but. They would go in, you would go in, go in a tattoo shop, and the older people that are listening will remember this, and you would see pictures on the walls, all over the walls. There'd be books and shit. You'd go through them, and it was just flash, and you would say, yeah, I want this. You'd get it. And then if you wanted a custom piece, you paid a lot of fucking money 15 years ago. If you wanted an artist, you wanted a custom piece, you paid through the ass for it. And what's driving me crazy now is that the younger generation does not get that you pay more for shit like that. Like there, I haven't had anybody pick Flash, and I'm being honest, Jesse. Nobody's ever came to me with a piece of Flash and said, "This is what I want." They all want custom work now. Yeah, that's true. That's you know? really where the money's at these days. Yeah, but am I am I am I'm right when saying that? If you want a custom piece, you're paying an artist a lot more than if you were just picking something and that was in a book. 
Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, if you walk into a tattoo shop and they say something crazy like $250, $300 an hour, it sounds like a lot, but, I mean, how much do people pay for a Picasso painting? You know what I mean? Art is subjective. Exactly. It's, it's, and it takes a lot of time. You know, somebody comes in and says they want a full sleeve. Like, we spend hours and hours and hours getting it ready to go. You know what I'm saying? Even the most basic level of it takes a long time. Just making a stencil after you've designed the, the actual piece takes a long time. Yeah, and I, I – And, you know – that's, that's what I love talking to you about because you you're you're an artist you get it and I just have a hard time passing that on to my clients like I think they they don't I find the gen I'm not speaking for everybody but the people some of the people I deal with they just don't respect I always say respect the art and respect the artist and I find that a lot of people don't they just want they want it cheap they want to pay you twenty dollars like I have people Jesse and I'm not even lying man I'll say listen twenty bucks an hour. That's all I want. Covers my supplies. It's a little bit of donation to get me some supplies and my time. And they bitch at it, man. They will bitch and tell me that I'm robbing them and that I'm expensive. And I'm thinking, man, have you ever fucking went into a professional shop on the street, man? Like, you can't even, they won't even talk to you for $20 an hour. They'll tell you to get the fuck out of the shop. And I just yeah. find that this generation, they don't want, do you run into that? I, I don't think you would run into it as much because you're in a shop. So I don't think, I, I hope you don't. But do you find people? No, I definitely about, do. <laughs> oh, you do! Wow! Like I didn't. I thought it was maybe just because I'm a home artist that they they're trying to complain about the prices. But so you get that even in the shop you're at. Oh, totally, man. You know, that's just how the world is. Everybody wants a bargain, like. But you know, but I'm to the point in my career now where I have I've built up a really good reputation over the years. Cool. So most people that come to me now you know, know that it's not super cheap, like nice tattoos are expensive. They're like anything else. You're gonna get what you pay for. You can you can eat bologna or you can eat lobster, you know what I'm saying? Like I totally it just agree. depends on what you want. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just I found that like in the, when I was in the shop fifteen years ago apprenticing, I people weren't I don't know, maybe it was just the shop I was in, but people weren't like that. Like they, they knew when they were going in there that they were gonna be dropping some money. Like I knew that every tattoo I got when I was like I got my first tattoo at 16 years old, and when I went into the shop, I knew I was going to spend money. I would not even dream of going into a shop back then and saying to the artist, like, oh, can you knock off 50 bucks, or can you knock off $20? I would, I do, I would never dream of that. I respected the artist, and I respected the art of it. You're getting a specialty service that not everybody can do. You're going to pay for that, and especially if they're a great artist. You know, I've got tattoos recently where I'm paying... 150 an hour that my hand tattoos that's what i was paying and i'm an artist and i'm paying that so that's never, really about standard yeah yeah so i mean i just find it crazy when people tell me that 20 dollars an hour they'll they fucking just look at you like you're robbing them and i'm just like oh my god like this is crazy well people assume you're automatically cheaper if you're at your house too i still have people ask me all the time like do you do work on the side or at the house? Of course, I say no, I don't. That's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. But they assume if I do it at my house, I'm not going to charge them as much. But even if I did do it at my house, that's not going to be the case. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> if I was you, if they if they wanted you to go to their house or to come to your house, I'd be charging them more. I'd be saying like, this is a you're uh, really getting spe- you're really getting a specialty service now. Like I have people all the time. This is a great one where I am. They want to have a tattoo party, 
you know, and I'll have a client say, yeah, I got like, <laughs> yeah. I got like eight friends, man. They all just want a tattoo. It's just the size of a, a nickel. That's all it is, man. And I got suckered into this a couple of times and I'm like, all right, well, size of a nickel. Fuck man. I'll bring a, I got a guy that I'm, I, that watches me tattoo all the time. He doesn't want a tattoo, but he loves watching and he knows how to set up this shit. He probably knows more than half the artists out there by now. And I'm like, okay, well, I can do six tattoos in like six hours. Like they're fucking a nickel. Like I can do that. And they get up there and they all got like arm pieces they want. You know what I mean? And they're like, and they got $10 (laughs) in their hand. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, so I gave up the home parties unless they want to pay me a lot of money. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) You know, but that's cool. But anyways, I don't want to just keep babbling about tattoos. Also, what we were talking about, and if people have been listening to my podcast, which you guys, you guys should be listening. If you're not listening, I'm very disappointed, but that's okay. Like I say, this podcast, I build up one listener at a time and... The people that don't want to be here, fuck them. This is my crypt here, man. This is where we talk truth. And I remember you were saying that you were listening, to my, you were listening to my podcast about uh, conspiracy theories, and I was commenting on the pyramids and uh, yes, yes, aliens and shit like that. And you so in your messenger said uh, recommended a, a YouTube video to me, a debunking ancient debunking ancient aliens. And I've seen it on YouTube a couple times, but I thought I'm not watching it. But you made me watch it, and I actually ended up watching it like four times because it's like three hours long, so you can't absorb all of that. And I want to thank you, Jesse, for personally pulling the rug out from underneath me and crushing my fucking hopes and dreams. You are responsible for that. <laughs> you are responsible for well, that, motherfucker, because I was sure. I was like, okay, man, I got, I've been, and I've been studying this shit for years, man. Like, this isn't something I picked up a week ago. I've been, I got 10 years in this of studying this shit, man, and who built the pyramids, and, I mean, I'm not saying that ancient aliens is a, a 100% accurate, I mean, like, you're looking at, I'm looking at both sides, you got their side, and then you got the people that have studied it for years on their side, so I'm trying, I always look at both sides of things, I don't want to be bought into either side, but I gotta tell you, man, they make a lot of good fucking arguments, and they make sense. Yeah, I mean, totally, man, that's the, that's the my favorite documentary, because it's, it's kind of in a nutshell. It's, it explains those a lot of the stuff about them really well. Now, don't get me wrong. There is still a lot of stuff that can't be explained historically. Uh, you, you know, I, I can show a lot of people think how they made the blocks themselves or moved them and all is this huge mystery and all, but that's all super easily explainable if you know where to look. It's just not mainstream exactly. knowledge because – I, I think I think it takes the mystery out of it when you know too much, and like that would decline tourism or something like that. Like you're more likely to go see it if there's a mystery involved. I mean, you're less likely to go see it, obviously, if you know everything about it already. Oh, exactly. And if or you know, it's if, it's got a, if it's got a great story behind it, like the pyramids do and the Sphinx does and all that, yeah, I want to go see it. I mean, I want to go see it just because. I mean, and I'm. Not, and like I said, I'm not saying that the, there was an alien made or aliens didn't have something to do with it or interdimensional beings, whatever the fuck you people want to call them. But in that video, Ancient Aliens, they do explain a, a lot of things made sense. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to get bought into just listening to that. What you you told me to watch and recommended for me to watch, I don't want to watch that and get say, okay, well, that's it. They, they're right. You know, they do have a good argument, but you got to admit that it doesn't necessarily mean they're right either. They just explain No, of course it. not. I mean, how how do we really know anything? This is all just evidence that I've compiled. A lot of people don't know it, but I've actually been obsessed with ancient history probably the last 10 years. I spend nearly all my time 
if I'm watching TV, I watch a documentary. Uh, you turned me on to Randall Carson yeah, uh, recently. Awesome. awesome. And I've watched every one of them now. I ordered <laughs> – uh, I ordered Graham's book, Graham Hancock's book already. Like I'm obsessed already. I love, I loved all their ideas and everything. And that, that he also opened up kind of a new world to me, like prehistory. Like I never even considered it. Yeah. That's how I found you know, it. From their viewpoint. Yeah. Like I remember watching him on Joe Rogan. I didn't know who he was, but he, I remember him starting to talk about how the fucking, you know, like explaining the flood and what was going on. And he shows evidence of, things on the earth that like the ripples in the sand and that like in the mountains that are from the back like the the waters receding and shit and, it, and i mean it's clear as day when he points it out to you you're just like oh my god like that's exactly what it looks and, like and he has such hard evidence science proof in my opinion in many cases that history is totally different than we've looked at it up until now oh exactly. and like it, back to the pyramids you know they say the pyramids are 4500 years old and khufu built them there is almost zero evidence to support that well there's, there's no tiny yeah, little clues that they ran with and that now is mainstream knowledge quote quote knowledge yeah like but, I, just, uh, I just watched that, a do- i just watched a documentary talking about the pyramids i'll send it to you and they're talking about Khufu. They're like, well, well, they say Khufu built it, and they, they, their evidence for this is there's a little fucking uh, plaque in the pyramid, and it's painted on. His name is painted on the plaque, Khufu, but it's not spelled right, and it's not engraved. Like, the Egyptians, if it was important, they engraved that in fucking uh, in stone. They didn't paint it. They engraved it. Well, this was painted on the wall. And it was spelled wrong, and they were trying. They're proving that this first guy that ever uh, discovered the chambers of the uh, pyramids, he wanted a good story to sell to England, where he was from. So he made up this story that it was Khufu. It's like they didn't even find a body in the fucking pyramid. So how did they even? Like they found an empty box, and they're like, "Yep, it's a burial chamber," and there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence that that was a burial chamber. Not, not at all. Besides there being a sarcophagus there yeah. but there's no evidence at all that there was ever anything in it exactly and it's just amazing that you know they're bla- they're saying khufu built it and they got the name wrong which the egyptians would not do and then the one guy that's doing the documentary he's saying like and they painted it on wrong like they painted it on which is not right and it wasn't enough spacing between it like if you'll see it you'll know what i mean it's pretty interesting shit and my fault i think my viewers uh, listeners will like to see it too and i'll definitely tell people how to get to see that but you'll like it you'll find it super interesting and but what so now the pyramids i get they like they explained a lot more than the pyramids though like they went in like you ruined my you fucking shattered my whole thing dude in one night like i was there, <laughs> like i was on the couch high as a fucking kite smoked a big ass fucking blunt fucking sat there and i'm like i'm gonna laugh at this shit jesse showed me because it's gonna be some guy talking out his ass and it made sense everything they talked about made fucking sense that's the thing that killed me and you shattered my world man even easter island they explained all of that too like did you watch yeah yeah it? totally it's it's easy <laughs> yeah like did you watch yeah I've, I've watched it probably 10 different times at least yeah like they ruined everything man they talk about easter island the fucking that they can prove that they were they were mined and like everybody's like well there was no trees to move them around well that's why there's no trees because they took all the trees to move their fucking statues around, and they showed the erosion of the island and stuff like that. It makes sense, and it makes logical sense. That's the thing that got me is they're not talking about far-fetched things in that in that documentary. They're actually talking about like they can prove this shit, like with the uh, 
each of the aliens thought that one site uh, was a landing pad, and because it had these like great big <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the side of the mountain, and the guy's like, no, that was just a fucking wall to hold back the fucking the erosion of the mountain, you know, and it, it made sense when you look at it. You're like, God damn, that's what that is. You know, I hope it's not. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes no sense to me. Like, okay, let me start over a little bit. The first time I had watched Ancient Aliens, I had already been, you know, took a personal interest in studying everything on ancient history, especially the pyramids and stuff like that. And some of the stuff they said you know, the first time I seen it, I was like, uh, I'm not quite sure that's right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of my thought. And, you know, I gave them a chance and watched a few, and I knew that a few of the things they were saying was totally wrong, especially about the shaping and stuff of the blocks. Because it's just like they said on that documentary, if you back the camera up literally three feet, there's still tools and everything laying around everywhere. So, I mean, why did an alien carve something if there's pounding blocks laying all around you? Exactly. It makes no sense. So I knew part of it was right, and then they come out with the, you know, Bigfoot mines for gold and this and that. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Well, yeah, and, uh, exactly, exactly he, they had the said uh, they had said the word Anunnaki in, in the Sumerian language means the sky people. That was completely, totally off because there's other documentaries about Sumeria that tells you exactly what it is. You, know, uh, yeah. you can like, that's look it up that, in a dictionary. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing that really blew my mind, too, was, like, I was a big follower of Zachariah Ascension. Like, I was like, wow, like, this guy's fucking figured it all out. And then you see people that know that language. Like, they know that shit. They know it all, like, all, they study it. And then you find out that Zachary Ascension, he wasn't, he didn't have any special language skills. He didn't have any, he wasn't an Egyptologist like that, where he knew all the Sumerian shit. Like, when you start diving into the guy himself, he was just making a lot of shit up. And, like, I, I believe that. Like, I mean, you know, like you said, they said Anunnaki means for, uh, those from the heaven came, and it doesn't mean that. And then he's talking about... Uh, yes, it, may, it means a divine seed yeah. is what it means. Yeah. And it, it's basically like the pharaohs in Egypt were living gods the people considered them gods and the pharaohs considered themselves gods although that's a little conceited that's the you know the belief they went by so saying it's a divine seed basically just gives a royal child a a godly yeah like the right to rule figure (laughs) yeah like and that's what i found too like he like when you start reading into people that study the sumerian language and that they're like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about like and I mean, I, his story's believable, though. When I first heard it, I mean, I was like, oh, my God, like, this makes sense. Because I've always wondered that. Like, why do people put all this value in gold? Like, for real, I don't. I, I, don't, I couldn't give a shit about material things. I'm not like that. I've never been like that. I could give a shit about gold and silver and stuff like that. I just don't find any value in it like people, other people do and diamonds and shit, you know. And so, But humanity has this fucking obsession with gold. Like, you know, and I've always, and the way he explained it, it makes sense. And it could be true what he's saying. I mean, I'm I'm not saying he's wrong, but I'm saying, like, you know, he, I'm leaving the old door open that he could be wrong, and I'm leaving the door open he could be right. I look at both sides. But there's got to be some reason that we have this, like, we don't even know really what gold is. Like, when you break it down, like, they don't, the amazing thing about gold as a metal is you can take gold and throw it in the ocean and fucking it could be down there for 10,000 years. You go down, pick it up, bring it out, and it looks like the day you threw it down there. It's got properties that we just, that people in this day and age don't even understand. So 
his his way of talking about they were here to mine the gold and they were gonna bring it back to their place and fucking coat the their atmosphere because it was deteriorating with gold and that. I mean, it makes sense. It sounds good. I gotta give them that, and it kind of made sense why we got this obsession with gold. That's one thing I've always wondered about. Yeah, my my opinion of Zachariah is that at at best he's a really really bad translator. <laughs> at worst, he's a total con artist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, I can see that. I agree with that. That's a great way to put it too. Now, as far as gold goes, I got my own opinion why it was so popular. Uh, it's I think it was super popular for one because it was shiny, uh, and two, it's it's I wouldn't say it's easy to make all these intricate little designs of jewelry, but gold itself is very easily manipulated. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's why. That's why I think back in the day it was used in so many statues and decorative ornaments because it was the easiest thing to shape and make into the shape they wanted to. Like, obviously, it's really hard to make, or back then anyway, they didn't even know about iron and stuff like that, so they couldn't really shape it. It's a lot harder, but I think that played a lot into it. It's a shiny, easy-to-craft material. Yeah, and from what I've heard, I've done enough studies to know that, you know, People say, well, fuck, you know, it was easy for them to craft it and all of that. You know, it's hard to find gold. I, bl- I, I, would, I would bet money that, you know, you go back 10,000 years ago, I think there was probably gold laying in fucking rivers, and I think it was a lot easier to find back then. I think because nobody knew what it was, so it was just another stone or another fucking shiny thing. And I think that could that makes sense. I, 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 you know, it's a shiny thing. People like shiny shit, man. People like shiny shit now. Yeah, totally. I mean, have you? Uh, I don't know if you know what lapis lazuli is. Yep, yep. But uh, well, yeah, it's like that. Like the, it was nearly priceless to the Sumerians. They were obsessed with it because it was one of the only things in nature that produced a brilliant blue color. Right, right. So it was super valuable just because of the aesthetic properties. Yeah, well, no, uh, that, like I could see that. I mean, I like Zachary Ascension's fucking story. Like, you know, and I. You, like I said, you crushed my world, dude. You fucked me up. I was just like, I mean, <laughs> and then, I mean, the documentary's not bad enough. They attack Egypt. They explain Easter Island. They explain how they built the pyramids. Like everybody's like, well, how the fuck did they move the blocks? And then you, in that documentary, you see the guy that moved those those uh, stone fucking blocks by himself. He was moving. Remember that he was yeah. lifting it, and he was just doing it with pieces of yeah. wood. And a few weeks. It's so simple. Like it is. People look at it? something huge like that, and you're how 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 is it possible that somebody can move that? That's oh my god, that's impossible. But it's not impossible. It's super simple. It's just work on a large scale. If you got people to do it, exactly. it's a lot easier. And if you add engineering of the simplest types, uh, like they said, all you have to live. Say you, just for example, say you got a twenty foot long, six foot high block of. Uh, six foot around square of rock if you can even lift one side just a tad and put any kind of little lever in the middle of it to get it seesawing you've just gained an enormous mechanical advantage yep even though it's super super heavy yeah that's what this guy does he's like i did it he he was building he was building a fucking the uh stonehenge in his backyard that's what he was doing he was doing it all by hand he wanted to build stonehenge in his backyard by hand and he's doing it. Yep. He's all by himself. He's it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, man. This guy's got to fucking lug weights back and forth across these planks. 
but he's just he's seesawing it. It's just back and forth. He gets it going one way, puts a board under it, goes the other way, puts a board under it, and it raises it up slowly. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes it, total sense. When I saw yeah, that, I was a, like, yeah, that makes sense. If you, especially if you had a workforce. Imagine back in Egypt, they probably had 100,000 slaves. Oh, totally, totally. It wouldn't take a lot of them were skilled workers, though. It wasn't totally all slaves. Yeah, and so I the, get uh, the pyramid was actually built right beside a, an entire village of workers that, you know, had housing and they could tell they were eating good, uh, had great, you know, the best medical care you could get at the time. Well, uh, exactly. There, there's just so many big misconceptions about the pyramids and stuff like that. And a lot of it we still don't know. And like we was talking about earlier, whether Khufu actually built it or not, uh, there's all, the only existing even – Anything of him is like a two-inch tall little statue. Exactly. And, I mean, anytime the – I'm going to say modern pharaohs, but modern to Egypt at the time, anytime they built something, they plastered their name all over that shit. They wanted everybody to know who built this giant monument or statue or temple. But it makes no sense that there's absolutely nothing in the pyramid – if I'm not mistaken, there is like a little bitty engraving at the very top of the the king's chamber in the pyramid that says Khufu. Yeah. But I mean, what the hell does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, <laughs> why is that proof positive that it was him? Exactly. And you know, the like anybody that had royalty status or anything, like they had bigger statues than that, and they, you know, and the thing I find really weird, like from what I've under, like I've done some research on it, and. uh uh, there's not a lot of – the only thing that bothers me is that there's no, like, hieroglyphs in that showing how they built the pyramid. And a lot of people no, – there's not. Of, you know, a lot of researchers say that. They say, well, you know, there there's no uh, proof. There's no, like uh, – there's no scroll showing how they built it. But people have to remember that back in the time of Alexandria and that, you know, they had the big Alexandria fire where it burnt down the whole – almost all the documents in the library where all the knowledge was kept. So I've always believed that, you know, who's not to say that that happened? That got all burnt up in the fire. Like that, you know, that doesn't mean that they didn't do it. It just means that there's no evidence of that left over. But I also on the same side yeah, figure exactly. if, you, if you built the pyramids, I would have hieroglyphs all over the city. But maybe they didn't – then I think – see what I mean? I'm always questioning. Then I'm thinking, well, maybe they didn't want people to know how they did, did it because then it would take away their god status and stuff like that. So what do you think about that? Like, Do you not find it weird that there's no hieroglyphs that they can show that how they built the pyramids? Like indefinitely, you can say, okay, that's how they built it's it. It's very weird because there's a lot of other stuff from that time period. I mean they were clearly labeling a lot of stuff from that time period so it may, makes no sense that they wouldn't label their greatest achievement you know what i mean exactly and I there's totally still agree. if there's no proof of anything you can make almost any argument everything you said just now is a totally valid argument in my opinion because we don't know there's a lot we don't know about it exactly. there is a lot of hieroglyphs of you know 50 people pulling a giant statue on a sled so we know that they're capable of that from the hieroglyphs but the actual pyramids themselves as far as the building process there's goes nothing. of how they laid it out and everything, there there is there's nothing. Not, nothing. Nothing that I've seen. Nothing like at I, all. Yeah. So, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a short break because I got to make this into two parts because I can only do like 45 minute uh, chunks. So what I'm going to do is we're going to take a few break, uh, a quick break, and then I'm going to give you a call back, Jesse. And we're going to continue right where we left off. Is that cool with you? That sounds good, my all brother. Right, so I'll call you right back, and we'll continue right where we left off, brother. 
Sounds good. Right, Sounds I'll good. Talk, talk to you in a couple seconds. Few. Yep, no problem, brother. There you have it, as promised. That was the end of my interview with Jesse. That was part one. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you're enjoying it. If you did, don't forget I'll be putting up part two tomorrow. So make sure you check that out, guys. Have yourselves a great day, and I will be chatting with you very soon.